Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for the questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Andy J., Brent S., Nick W., and Mike P. Returning to the program today is Ms. Marna Clote. Marna is President and CFO of Ivanhoe Mines, a major mine development company that is soon transitioning to a major copper producer with their Kamoa Kakula project in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Ivanhoe is also in parallel developing out the Platte Reef project in South Africa, which consists of platinum, palladium, rhodium, and a few more. Ivanhoe is a portfolio holding at Smith Weekly Research. The company is listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol IVN and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol IVPAF. Ms. Clote, thanks for coming back. How are things with you? Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for hosting me. And um, the only regret I have at present is that I don't have my favorite beverage with me since it's almost seven at night here in Johannesburg. Uh, but I'll try and answer all your questions truthfully without a glass of wine in my hand. <laughs> I was trying to figure out if that was going to be coffee or what was the setup for <laughs> seven o'clock, but maybe just a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Marna, uh, how is life in South Africa? And with that, can you just give the audience a flavor for your travel schedule over the past year between work at Kamoa Kakula and also work at Platte Reef? Um, I know you've you've got to move around a little bit there, but with COVID, it's been difficult. But uh, how is life and, and how has the travel been between the projects? You know, things in within South Africa is pretty much uh, normal. We move around freely. We go to the office. I would say um, cross-border travel is a bit more complicated. I did manage to visit site towards the end of last year. I also visited Kinshasa, but we've really had limited travel. Our um, site teams, however, have been traveling in and out. Um, initially at Kamau Kakula, we had to do a hard lockdown and most of our expats uh, bunkered down for a couple of months to keep the project on schedule and on time. Um, but they've now started to resume their normal rotations back home. We fly charters every, every second week. Um, so I think from a um, in and out into Congo, it's, it's really been business as usual. Uh, international travel has been very limited and um, most of our engagements have been online. Well, I'm glad things are proceeding well, and it seems like you guys have been able to really handle the logistics with the addition of the COVID complications and, of course, the varying policies globally. We have some places that are still having troubles and other places that have excelled, um, places in between. So good on you guys for keeping that effort going and really getting to that production stage, which is very, very close. And it's fantastic to see that you guys are making good efforts. Well, I'd like to get uh, your view on metals prices here, Marna, and how you really see metals prices going over the next maybe let's call it two years for purposes of this question but mm -hmm. first off what are your thoughts on copper and platinum at this point so we remain very bullish on copper 
There's been ambitious targets on decarbonisation that will mostly intensify the use of copper, especially in renewable energy and electric vehicles. China is committed to be carbon neutral by 2060 and remains a significant player in renewable demand. Um, adoption of the Green Deal in Europe continues with large stimulus packages and the United States rejoined the Paris Agreement uh, with an expected investment of two trillion over the next four years. And this investment will target, amongst others, uh, carbon neutral power sector, decarbonization of the transport sector, and investment in new technologies such as uh, green hydrogen. Uh, we are seeing copper price forecasts ranging from 10,000 a ton in the near term to as high as 15,000 a tonne and higher in the coming decade. And with a looming supply deficit to meet this increased demand, the timing of our flagship Kamau Kukula project coming in online could not be better. Um, on PGMs, we have seen a significant increase in our basket price over the past three years, from just over $1,000 per ounce to over 2,500 per ounce today. Um, automotive PGM demand is set to rise as a result of strong recovery in light vehicle production and the implementation of more stringent legislation in China uh, that's enforcing the use of PGM catalysts on heavy duty diesel trucks. Um, platinum is also key to the production of green hydrogen and in fuel cells for electric vehicles. And this understanding among investors is rapidly increasing. Um, so we expect to see the PGM market tracking current levels in the near term and even slightly improving. Yeah, that sounds great, Marta, and some interesting catalysts at play here and definitely uh, share the view a lot on copper and definitely platinum here because platinum's been with a bit of disrespect for a number of years here. What are your <laughs> thoughts on rhodium and palladium? Now, both of these ran up, as you know, pretty substantially. Mm -hmm. We know that there's some time for switching back to potentially maybe a lower cost platinum still at this point. What's your thoughts on where rhodium and palladium go over the same time period? I think palladium and platinum basically will interplay on each other. So as you see a rise in platinum, um, you know, there will be an increased demand on palladium. So I think that interplay will remain. On rhodium, I do think it will stabilize um, at some point, and that, that remains a smaller part of our portfolio, but we have seen significant increase. And um, maybe tracking current levels will also so will also be on the courts in the near future. Less so on this, you know, not as significant for Ivanhoe, but uh, certainly is there in the portfolio. Zinc and gold, what's your thoughts there? Well, zinc has been really interesting over the past couple of weeks. Uh, zinc futures in Shanghai rallied to the highest in almost two years, and that was really helped by the strengthening of the steel market. Um, and there's a prospect of tightening supply. So I, I definitely see a future for zinc. I think the price will, will increase. Um, the co commodity demand will also remain. Um, it's, it's also part of, of the portfolio of green metals. So um, that demand will definitely be there. Um, gold, I think gold will always be an anchor commodity. Uh, you may see a slight stabilization in gold from where we saw it last year but still a good, solid performer. Let's move on to Ivanhoe here. Congratulations. The group collectively just raised, oh, let's call it about a billion dollars between a recent 575 million senior unsecured convertible financing 
and a 420 million stream and debt facility at the Ivanplatz level, a really big move. Can you talk about these deals? Yeah, maybe let me start with the Ivanplatz transaction. Um, towards the end of last year, we announced a phase development plan for our Platte Reef project. And that really entailed us using the already sunk shaft one as a production shaft and um, constructing a standalone 700,000 ton per annum plant um, for the production out of shaft one. Uh, we were really keen on raising a package to um, a, a debt and stream package to finance the estimated capital uh, of 390 million for this initial what we term baby mine. And uh, we were successful in our negotiations with Orion Mine Finance on a 300 million stream. It will mainly be a gold stream with a small portion uh, platinum palladium, and it will be ring fenced to the um, initial uh, phase mine. And then uh, we wanted to bring in a senior, um, a senior debt facility at the same time uh, the stream will be subordinated to the senior debt and it just made sense for us to do it at the same point because ultimately when we move to the um, now 5.2 million tonne per annum mine at our Platte Reef project, we would like to bring in additional um, uh, senior debt and this just uh, makes it easier to negotiate that senior debt at a later stage. Then on our recent convertible offering, um, we had a lot of inbound interest from leading North American and European fundamental institutional investors to get involved in Ivanhoe. And if you look at our uh, current construct, I mean, 60% 60, 60 of our shares are really held by three or four, or four of our largest shareholders, with uh, Citic holding just over 26%, Zijin Mining holding close to 14%, Robert Friedland just over 13%, and then Fidelity is also quite a large shareholder with uh, shielding close to Roberts. Um, so, you know, we, we thought that the convertible was the right way to give institutionals exposure to our stock. Uh, it, it allows us flexibility um, in terms of further expansions at our Kamau Kukula mine. Uh, as you know, the mine will be constructed in phases. We already approved both phase one and phase two. And this gives us optionality to uh, fast track phase three, and also to develop some ancillary infrastructure around power uh, to enable us to do downstream processing in country in the future. Um, we, we also like the optionality on Platreef where you know the acceleration of shaft two uh, is a discrete decision. We can bring it in earlier um, based on the current study that we've announced. And, you know, this also allows us that optionality, tracking the market, seeing if we want to accelerate those expansions. But what really excites us is our exploration ground at Yesen to Kamau Kakula. Um, it's six times larger uh, than our land holding at Kamau Kakula. It's mostly 100% owned by Ivano Mines. And we are seeing exactly the same geology than what we are seeing at Kamau Kakula. So raising additional funds really allows us to uh, expand our exploration program. We're receiving a lot of inbound interest on this exploration ground, and, and we are confident that we're going to make a number of additional discoveries um, on this land package. 
Yeah, Marna, let's skip to that for a sec. But Western Foreland Project and the Makoko Copper Discovery. This is mm-hmm. a fairly large land package, obviously within range, as you stated, to Kamoa. Yeah. Uh, very, very yeah. close. Maybe just expand on this for a moment. Talk about the potential on these grounds. You know, you guys had a discovery in 2018. And do you believe as you guys ramp up into production at Kamoa, do you believe this is really a notable pipeline project for Ivanhoe? I think the land, as you state, the land package is quite large. So there's significant exploration that we will need to do on this land package over the next three to five years. It's definitely a priority for us. It's very value accretive and it's not in our current joint venture with Sajin. So the economics of anything we discovered discover at the Western Forelands, it will be 100% for Ivanhoe's portfolio. We are seeing similar geology. Uh, if you ask anybody within the company, and especially Robert, he would tell you that this is probably the part of the company that excites him most. Um, so, uh, you know, with, with the copper story being as exciting as it is, um, not a lot of people are spending the money to ensure that there's pipeline projects for the future, and this is what we are doing. We've got proprietary knowledge that we have on this geology, and we think we are very well placed to make, uh, if not one, more than one significant discoveries on this land. Well, that's certainly good, and it's always a, a key part, and I know that w- would excite uh, a lot of folks at the company, including Robert. Excited to see what will happen come out of this as you guys continue to uh, ramp up things here and also with cash flows coming, the amount that you guys can put towards this and really get this pipeline continuing, which it's already substantial. But as you guys know, as a producing company, you're also depleting at the same time. And of course, pipeline is important. Well, talk operations update here. We already covered one, but uh, can you just talk about what the status is at Kamoa Kakula and schedule to initial production? Just give us an update there first. Okay, so we had a we had a very busy year, as you know, and we produced these monthly updates uh, that we put out to market as close as possible to the beginning of each month. Uh, we also recently uh, did a side video. So uh, to those listeners that's interested in having a look at what we are doing in the DRC, please go to our website, www.avanaminds.com and just click on the link to go and see the site video. Um, and, and I think that really speaks a thousand words. Um, it's, we are still earmarked for production in, in July of this year. Our surface construction is over 80% complete. And um, you know, if you, if you followed our recent monthly, we basically uh, showed you the tonnages that's currently on our stockpile. Um, that was at the end of February. It was a 2.16 million ton per annum stockpile, uh, ton stockpile at 4.44% copper, which equates to 95,000 tons of contained copper just on the stockpile. There's not a lot of projects you develop where the development works almost pays for the uh, capital cost of the project. So um, really an exciting copper project we are developing in DRC. We just spoke about Western Forelands, um, earmarking a budget of 16 million this year for our exploration work there. Uh, the rainy season's about to finish. Our teams will uh, go onto the ground now in April. Uh, first, um, there's some access that will need to be built, access infrastructure, and then they will commence with a, a drilling program uh, with a 40,000 meter scheduled 
Um, and then obviously that could be expanded based on the results. Um, at our Platte Reef project, um, we are busy with uh, our shaft change over to uh, the man material configuration and shaft equipping. And that's earmarked for completion early next year. And uh, as I mentioned, we are updating that the phase development plan to a feasibility study, and that will be completed by the end of this year. And then last but not least, uh, our Kapushi project, also in the DRC, um, we uh, have entered into discussions with our partners, Jekamins, about a potential development plan. And we have a feasibility study earmarked for middle of this year. Uh, production at, at Kapushi could also be within the next two years. That's excellent. You covered that. I was going to ask, and the grades coming out uh, initially here at uh, Kamoa Kakula is fantastic and just a just a monster project. And as you guys continue to demonstrate this, that the market will certainly appreciate what's happening here and very still early stage, in my view, of the growth of this company and the market cap growth that has huge potential here. Just on Kapushi, what's your thoughts uh, on that as far as where you see this slotting into the strategy and the potential time frame here, Marna, with you guys having this uh, definitive studies probably ready this year, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. So Kapushi, um, you know, as much as we haven't spoken about it too much, we have been working away in the background trying to find a development solution that makes sense. Um, relatively low capital to get it back into production. And we should be able to finance it on a standalone basis through a off-take financing or EPCM financing uh, for surface construction. Um, so those are the ideas that we are currently discussing with our partners and um, trying to, to find a mutually agreeable development plan. Um, but you know, in terms of priorities, we are definitely focused on entering the finishing line at Kamau Kakula. And, and then Platte Reef is a bit of a longer term project, but definitely a priority project within our portfolio of assets. Uh, lots of stuff on the plate here and uh, good on you for being able to juggle everything. So the cash flows, um, I want to talk about that for a moment. What do you suspect, maybe if you can give us a rough estimate, um, towards the last half of this year, what do you guys expect as far as cash flow you know, coming out of Kamoa Kakula? Can you just speak to that? And then maybe if you can't, can you give us a preview of what you might see that coming in for 2022? Can you just give us some rough stuff? I know you can't give us anything exact, but can you give us a little bit of guidance there? So on 2021, with current copper prices, um, we do expect revenue generated um, from the commencement of production to be substantial. Uh, we are, however, planning to use most, if not all, of our free cash flow in 2021 in advancement of the phase two expansion. And that's progressing well, and it's scheduled for a Q3 uh, 2022 startup. Um, moving into 2022, um, I can, you know, uh, potentially guide you in terms of what we've put out on our studies. Um, we we mentioned earlier we are exploring the accel acceleration of the Kamau Kakula Phase Three uh, from 7.6 million tons to 11.4 million tons, and we're also refining our uh, longer-term downstream processing strategy, um, including the potential construction of a smelter. And um, all of those um, initiatives will require some of the free cash 
that will be available from the production of the project. Um, if you look at our PFS announced in September 2020, and assuming a copper price of, of $3.1 uh, uh, $3, $3 per pound, our free cash flow for 2022 on 100% basis uh, would be 200 million after our required expansion uh, capex, capex is incurred for phase two. But obviously, if you look at current copper prices, it's significantly higher than that. Lots of good potential here and lots of options. And I think this is going to really help out the rest of the development pipeline as you guys get going here at Kamoa, Kakula. Can you talk about just for a moment, look out in the future here for me, pull out your crystal ball, if you will. Five to seven years out at Ivanhoe, this is a period that uh, we have a lot of stuff that'll happen and finish up. There'll be a lot of what I like to call cash power here, most likely at this stage, five to seven years out, Marna. At that time, hmm. What do you think you guys will do with these cash flows? I mean, is it really going to go into pipeline? Um, you guys will be gushing a lot of cash here. Uh, and I got to be honest with you, what are you going to do with all of it? I think we want to compete with the majors. And, um, you know, we we do have a visionary as our executive chairman. I don't think we will ever be completely satisfied. Our priority is really to get what we have off the ground. A lot of it's been a long time in the making. Uh, Robert likes to say, you know, after 20 years of hard work, we became an overnight success. Um, but, um, you know, I think we, we will definitely have a growth strategy, um, add additional assets to the portfolio and, and want to compete with the majors. Yeah, and you guys are, with these the scale of these projects, you guys have a lot of options and you can also be calculated and careful about what you do because you've got such long life assets. I mean, it's not like you're trying to expand something that's a 10 year mind life. I mean, good grief, this is generational stuff yeah. here. Well, let's move on. Let's talk some other subjects. I wanna cover the, the South African government here and the social outlook in South Africa. There's been some difficulties over the years, as you know, Marna, firsthand. As a citizen and seeing those events, what are you seeing for the near to midterm outlook for the country economically and socially at this point? Yeah, I think if we take a few steps back post the elections uh, where uh, Cyril Ramaphosa was elected as president, I think most South Africans um, uh, were, were optimistic that it was the beginning of change. Um, I think the change was probably a bit slower than anticipated, uh, albeit that you could see it, um, you know, being a citizen, you could see subtle changes happening across the board, people being held accountable, but probably not to the extent that everybody uh, hoped for. Um, the pandemic definitely influenced the turnaround strategy. Um, you can imagine the debt burden on emerging economies such as uh, South Africa. Um, uh, in our recent budget announcement, you know, there was a lot of initiatives around uh, curtailing debt, uh, trying to, to, to get the public sector to, to be less capital intensive. Um, but the one thing about South Africa that's always been comforting is the judiciary. There's always been a very strong legal fraternity, strong uh, court presence, and that's always protected the integrity of South Africa. The political landscape remains uh, fragile, uh, um, but 
I'm cautiously optimistic that it will stabilize over the next year once people can start focusing on not necessarily dealing with a pandemic, but thinking about a long-term strategy for the country. Speaking about social, I think it's challenging. There's been a big social grant drive throughout South Africa during this pandemic. A lot of people who lost their jobs. But, you know, on the positive side, the mining sector did extremely well last year and contributed significantly to the fiscus. Um, for where we operate at Platte Reef, um, as you know, it's a very social project. Uh, we've got 150,000 people that use into the project. They also are partners at the project through a community trust. And, um, you know, we've been trying to do whatever we can as a corporate citizen within the area to be responsible and have initiatives where we could where we could help households. Um, so it's 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 been a tough time in Africa in general, but I think globally in general it's been tough. Um, but uh, you know the one thing about South Africans, uh, we are resilient and we always seem to be able to make a plan, and I think that will prevail. I appreciate you sharing the thoughts on that, and certainly I'm optimistic for improvement here, as the mining sector is so critical to to both South Africa and obviously the DRC as well. Just to tick the ESG box here, Marna, can you just talk about specifically some of the local community initiatives, and this is company-wide, DRC or South Africa, the initiatives okay. that are being done on the ground in the local community, maybe such as you know infrastructure, water, sanitation, connectivity, and this type of work. Is there a few things you can speak to there that are being considered or are in progress or are on the checklist to do as, as you guys start to uh, have more available funds? Yeah, so so at the MOA, we've actually, um, if, if I start in Congo, we've actually um, had a livelihood program over the last couple of years, and that really intensified as we accelerated um, our construction activities. We currently have over 7,000 people living on site, um, and some traveling in from Kowese, but 7,000 people working at the MOA Kakula. And uh, we have our local community supplying a lot of the food sources that we use in our camp, our chefs. So we've got a we've got a, a chicken farm. It's it's and and broilery. We've got a um, local vegetable farming. There's a um, fish farms being created in the community, and all these initiatives have been set up as local standalone businesses. We train our communities in terms of running a business accounting for the business, paying taxes uh, where, where it applies. We also started a um, brick making factory. Um, we use a lot of bricks uh, in our construction activities. Uh, that's a women-owned business that we incorporated. We bought the machines. We taught the locals how to uh, manufacture bricks and we purchased from them. And all those businesses are becoming self-sufficient standalone businesses. And they're starting to supply outside of the mining footprint because what you really want to happen is that these businesses do not become dependent on the mine, but that they actually go beyond the mining footprint. For example, uh, on the eggs, we can't keep up. The, the camp uh, takes all the supply, but then the community also has a need to purchase eggs from, from the broilery. 
so at Kapushi, we really focused on, on a COVID campaign this year, educating the, the community on, on COVID, uh, supplying uh, fabric face masks, which we manufactured through a community initiative. And um, at our Platriff project, um, your, your social initiatives are quite uh, legislated. So we're entering uh, the next five-year cycle of our social and labor plan. And that really entails training initiatives. Um, we have a number of bursars that we've successfully graduated internationally. Uh, some of our students from our local community graduated top in their class in, in Canada and, and in Japan, where we've partnered with Itoshu, who's one of our partners at the Platrix project. So we've had a number of successes. On infrastructure projects, we, we have a public-private partnership with uh, SNAL in the DRC around hydropower refurbishment um, so there we've we've recently um, completed the first turbine out of six at the Mogwan Dusha power station and that will supply an additional 78 megawatts to the grid all hydropower so all green and at our Platriff project we've entered into an agreement with the Mohalakwena municipality whereby we will contribute towards the construction of a grey water facility and in return we will get grey water as offtake uh, for the mining requirement uh, for the requirements at the mine so a number of of initiatives on the go across the board something we are really um, proud of you know as i mentioned our communities are partners at platrif we've got the drc government partners at kamal kukula means at kapushi so we really believe in in a social compact with our host countries as well as with our communities and try and have a common goal um, getting these projects off the ground and, and, and getting everybody to benefit from it. I think this is how you do it and you guys have set a model that the entire industry should be uh, looking to mimic and that is uh, really just pulling the levers just right across the board and the governments appear to be very happy with you guys, um, the communities, uh, the work you guys are doing is kind of the all above approach. The energy approach is fantastic. Hydropower is great. You know, lots of developing nations are doing hydropower, but yet we see places like the U.S. are ripping out hydro plants, which uh, to me is silly. So this is uh, fantastic, Marna, and, and really appreciate the update on all the initiatives you guys are doing. And I think that uh, you guys are very sincere about your efforts to the community and how important that is, both on the mining front, but also on sustainable development, not including mining as well. And I hope people that are listening that are involved with other companies take note. This is a, a tremendous, fantastic model that people should follow. And to wrap up, for potential investors who are on the sidelines listening in the audience, market cap of the company stands about 7.7 billion Canadian here. What would you say to them at this stage and at current price levels? Why should they consider Ivanhoe Mines now? I think reading the trends, uh, looking at the decarbonization story, the demand on copper, where you know China's going, uh, following the story, Kamoa Kukula, our flagship project, is a no-brainer. Um, I think it's the most exciting copper project out there. It's the future of copper. We've got growth line projects. We've got precious metals. So if you are somebody who's passionate about the, the, the green future of the world, this is the stock you want to be in. Excellent. And the best way for investors to reach out to the company, Marna? Um, they can contact us at ivanominds.com 
They can get in touch with our investor relations team. It's listed on our website, Bill Treneman and Matthew Keeble. And uh, we will certainly get back to you. Well, Marta, good chat. Let's leave it there. Always appreciate you coming on and keep up the efforts. And uh, next time we talk, I suspect we'll have a new producer in Ivanhoe Mines. Yes, definitely. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having us.